I invite you to turn with me to 1 Samuel. We're going to be living in the Samuels for this autumn. So 1 Samuel 16, you should have a Bible somewhere near you. The Bibles that you have, it's on page 226, page 226. Incidentally, if you came to Calvin and you don't own a Bible, take one of these, okay? Um, And if you have a friend who doesn't have a Bible, take one of these, okay? And just tell us so that we can know where to put the new ones, okay? But this is a gift, all right? So if you don't have a Bible, take a Bible. 1 Samuel 16, the story, all right, so Saul has been the king of Israel. He hasn't done a very good job. He's turned away from God. God has turned away from him, and that's where we pick up the story here, 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? I've rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears of it, he'll kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one I name to you. Saul did, Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, Samuel looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look upon his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. And he said, "Uh, are all your sons here? He said, well, there remains yet the youngest, but he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. For some of you, yesterday was a day of destiny. Because some of you were set apart. You were chosen. You were selected. It was given unto you the task 
of diving through an inner tube. <laughs> There you were, standing on the sidelines, happily cheering on your team, very glad to be there. When suddenly someone did a count and said, "Wait, wait, wait." We need one more. We need one more for Hula. One more. One more for the energy. You get up here right now. Go. And you thought, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. Where am I supposed to go? I just put on the T-shirt and I came here, and this is what's happening to me. <laughs> and now I have to dive through an inner tube in front of people. I don't. I, how did this happen to me? And then others of you were selected and anointed, and they said, "Wear this bucket on top of your head. This is the bucket of being chosen." You are chosen to wear the bucket. Wear the bucket. Look like an idiot. Walk over here. Dump something into there. Run back very quickly. Do not make mistake. The pressure is on. Some of you were anointed to carry the staff of hockey. And with the hockey stick, you had to take a soccer ball. And get it through the legs of someone else, and you thought the whole time, "I'm not Canadian." And some of you had to stand with a blindfold on while someone tried to get that soccer ball through your legs, and you're thinking the whole time, "Please don't hurt me! Please don't hurt me! Please don't hurt me! Please don't hurt me!" <laughs> you had been enjoying your life on the sidelines, content to be on the margins, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, you were summoned. It was you. You had to come forward. You, in front of everybody, you had to step forward and be in the middle of everything. The pressure was on you. The attention was on you. It was all up to you. That's kinda what it was like for David. He didn't have a hockey stick either. <laughs> He was number eight of eight sons, the youngest. He was the one who, when everything got interesting around the campfire, his mom was like, "David, bed." <laughs> he was the one when a brother's getting married, he once again ring bearer. <laughs> He's one of the one when the older brother has the baby, middle name David. Thanks. Always on the margins, always on the side, the littlest one. His inheritance plan was awful. He wasn't going to get anything. Eliab was going to get the big stuff. Abinadab, Shama—they were going to get stuff. By the time it got down to him, it'd be like uh, a slingshot. <laughs> This is how David's living his life. He's out on the margins. In the story, he's literally out on the margins. He's far away from everybody, happily tending the sheep until this day comes. God comes to Samuel and says, "How long are you going to grieve over Saul? That is in the rearview mirror. That is done. I'm looking ahead. I have a plan. I want you to go down to Bethlehem and anoint somebody. It's the son of Jesse." And he says, mm, "What?" Because Samuel knows 
that if word gets back to Saul, who is the current king, that Samuel is going ahead and anointing another king, that's not going to be good for Samuel. And it's not going to be good for the village where he goes because the odds are good that if Saul is in a bad space, Saul will come and try and kill Samuel and he'll try and wipe out that village of the new king. Saul was very unsteady. He was very unpredictable, which is why when Samuel shows up on the edge of the village of Bethlehem, the elders meet him and they are scared because when Samuel shows up, Something's going to happen. Samuel is the prophet. He is renowned. Everybody knows him. He has killed enemies of the Lord. Samuel shows up, says, oh, I'm, I'm going to make a sacrifice. He goes and he finds Jesse. And he begins and says, Eliab, stand up, come forward. And Eliab comes, and he stands. And Samuel looks at him and thinks, yeah, that'll do. That looks like a king. And Samuel's like, he's tall? That's good. And the Lord's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Height has nothing to do with call. <laughs> Eliab, he's, no, it's not him. He's like, all right, who's next? Uh, Benadab. Come forward. Benadab comes forward. Samuel's like, all right, yeah, good, okay. That's, that's great, that's good. God, no, mm-mm, no, no, mm-mm, it's not going to work. All right, Shama. Shama. Shammah comes forward, and she, yeah, Shammah's thinking, yes, he is, because he's thinking, number one wasn't picked, number two wasn't picked, this looks good for me, no, sorry for Shammah. Number four, son number four, come on down. Shammah's thinking, all right, that's great, good, like, pick one, you know. God says, nope, five. Son number five, come on down. Nope, nope, no. Number six, son number six, they lose their names after this guy goes. Name, 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 number. Number six comes up. Promising and no. Seven. The seventh son comes up. No. Seven times for seven brothers. God says, no. Nope, nope, nope. And so Samuel's like, wait now, wait. Wait. One, two, three, four. Is this everybody? Do we, because, are you Jesse? Is this Bethlehem? Am I in the right place? <laughs> because this is not working out the way I was told things would work out. Do you, is there somebody else? Jesse says, well, there's the littlest one, but he, he's like, I'll keep it the sheep. 
Samuel says, all right, well, wait. We're not going to do anything until he gets here. And he's out keeping the sheep because that's what the little kids do. If you go to Israel now and you visit and you go to a Bedouin, the odds are really good that some of the younger kids are going to be out with the sheep and they can be far away because being with the sheep is not a very high-risk job. You walk around with sheep. (laughs) You got to get them from a feeding place to a quiet place, but people have been doing this for so long that everybody kind of knows the routes and here's what you do and this is what you got to do and it's a pretty boring job, so you just kind of practice what you're good at, you know? You just spend time doing stuff all the time. You just get really good at certain skills because there's nothing else to do here with sheep. And David could be a couple of miles away from home. So when Samuel says, we're going to wait, he's not thinking 20 minutes. I mean, it could be a while. Somebody's got to go out. They've got to find David. They've got to swap. I'll stick with the sheep. Who's the fuzzy one today? I don't know. It comes back. (laughs) David gets back. And finally, you know, they're, they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. And then finally, finally, from the back, David comes forward. says to Samuel, rise and anoint him, for he's the one. Come on up here, buddy. Rise and anoint him, for he's the one. And so there, in the middle of his brothers, brothers, come on around, and I want you all to take a knee. In the middle Of his brothers, Samuel takes the horn of oil and pours it on the head of David, and he is anointed king. Rise and anoint him, for he is the one. Thank you, brothers. You may be seated. A special thanks for our buddy Anton right here. Did David do anything to deserve being anointed? No. He comes up, he's been out in the field. He is small, he is the least, he is the last, he is the overlooked, he is on the margins, and God says, that one. I pick that one. That one I'm going to use. That one. Does he give David an itinerary of the rest of his life? Does he say to him, now Samuel, now that you've anointed him, would you please give him the scroll that tells him exactly what the job description is of a king of Israel? Would you please lay out for him what happens once you're anointed by God? Would you please just tell him what's gonna happen in the next few years of his life so he can kinda get ready for this? No. What does David say when he's anointed? Nothing. He says nothing. He's anointed in the middle of his brothers. He's given no 
orders. He's, he's given no direction. He's anointed. He's set apart. And that's what he knows. This, by the way, is very consistent with the way God works. Abraham, I want you to come and I want you to go to this land and you're going to be a great nation. It's going to be fabulous. Come on, let's go. Does he tell him in that moment, oh, um, it's going to take you a long time to get pregnant, so I want you to wait. Just wait. Don't do anything crazy because if you do something crazy, the world's going to pay for it for years to come. Moses, I want, you to, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him you're going to set my people free. And the proof that it's me that it's sending you is that when you're all done with everything, you're going to come right back here and worship me on this mountain. That's all he gets. And then he puts up a fuss, and so God gives him some things to do, but does he tell him about the plagues? No, he does not. <laughs> does he tell him about Passover? No, he does not. Does he tell him you're going to be running across the wilderness for your very life? No. He just says, here's the first thing I want you to do. Well, actually, the first thing is take off your shoes. <laughs> Mary, here's what I want you to do. This is going to be great. You're going to have a baby. The Lord is with you, favored one. This is going to be awesome. Parliament, this is great. You're going to, King of the Most High. Gabriel's just effusive with love. And Mary's like, how can this happen since I'm a virgin? He's like, oh, cool. This is going to be great. Power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. Uh, okay. <laughs> She's not told what comes next. She's not told what her life will bring. Andrew, Simon, James, John, just, just follow me. Philip, I want you to get up and I want you to go to the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. Just, just go out there. This is going to be great. That's how God works. God is the worst travel agent ever. <laughs> and some of you are sitting here right now thinking, I want a line-by-line -line itinerary. I want to know what my life is going to look like. Some of you are seniors and you're having that like, oh, hey, I'm going to graduate. I should have a plan. I don't have a plan. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what life's going to look like. Thinking, some of you are, I, I don't know what my major is. I'm a sophomore. I should kind of land the plane on that. There are things that I need to decide, and I can't, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Should I go on an off-campus semester? Should I take this language? Should I join this Bible study? The answer to that is always yes. <laughs> what should I do? How should I spend my time? What's my life going to be like? Some of you are thinking, I don't know what to do about this roommate situation. Should I write it out? Will it get worse? I don't know what to do about this class. I've only been in it twice and it already seems overwhelming. Should I drop it? I don't know. Some of you have parents who are divorcing. And you're thinking, am I supposed to take his side? I don't know. Some of you are surrounded by people who love you and support you and you're still struggling with depression and you just can't get out of it and you really wish you had a map, an itinerary, a way ahead. 
Some of you are struggling with addictions and you're just thinking, I just wish I knew how to stop this. I just want a road map. I just want a way home. I just need a little help. God doesn't usually send email. He's not usually as clear as we'd like him to be exactly when we would like him to be. He calls a little boy out of the fields and he anoints him. And we're going to see that David's life was full of lots of trials and triumphs. He doesn't tell David when he anoints him that the king, the current king, Saul, is going to play a cat and mouse game with him for years. And he is going to be a refugee from his own nation and he's going to hide in caves and he's going to take refuge with the Philistines. He doesn't tell him that eventually he'll unite the kingdom but it's going to be bloody and problematic. He doesn't tell David that someday he's going to bury children. But what he does do is at the very end of this story. Verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. He didn't know what his life was going to be like. He didn't know what was ahead of him. He didn't know what being a king meant. But what he knew in that moment was that the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And what happens next is we see that he becomes this amazing musician. He becomes an amazing warrior. And throughout the story of David, we will see that when he is at his best, his strongest, his deepest, it's when he remembers that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. And when he's acting in accordance with the Spirit of the Lord, there is grace and truth and victory. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David. And that same spirit is here tonight. The spirit of the Lord comes mightily upon us. We do not get an itinerary. We do not get a play-by-play. -play. We do not get to read to the end of our stories. But what we do get is more powerful. It's what we need. It's the spirit of the Lord who comes mightily upon us. The Spirit of the Lord who speaks to you in your struggle and says, I am here. Because what does God say to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses? What does he say to Mary and Hannah and Esther? What does he say to Simon, Andrew, James, John? What does he say to them? I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. The Spirit of the Lord is with you. Because you are of Christ. 
And Christ, you may know, comes from the Greek word Christos, which means anointed. The Hebrew is Mashiach, from what we get the word Messiah. So tonight, when we sang to Jesus Christ, or spoke of Jesus Messiah, we are declaring Jesus is the anointed one. He is the anointed one. And he is the one who is anointed to do all the things that David and David's sons after him were not able to do. And that is to instill the rule of God through the whole cosmos. David was able for some time to rule the land of Israel and have a time of peace. And his son Solomon was able to have that too. But after that, it just... It all broke up and got complicated and messy. Jesus, the Messiah, comes in. He is anointed to declare the rule of God over the world. And a few hundred years ago, there were two guys who were just a little bit older than you who said, we really want people to understand this well. And so what they did was write a bunch of questions and their answers and put them together in a document we have called the Heidelberg Catechism. Casper and Zach were their names. And they were about 22 and 25 when they wrote the catechism. And this is what they said about Christ being called anointed. And I'll read this. Why is Jesus called Christ, meaning anointed? Because he has been ordained by God the Father and has been anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher who perfectly reveals to us the secret counsel and will of God for our deliverance, our only high priest who has set us free by the one sacrifices of body and who continually pleads our cause with the Father, and our eternal king who governs us by his word and spirit and who guards us and keeps us in the freedom he has won for us. Prophet, priest, king. That's who Jesus was anointed to be, to perfectly fulfill all of those offices that hadn't been done so well up until him. But there's more than that. Because when you, by faith, accept Christ, you are anointed. You are anointed. Next. But why are you called a Christian. Read this. Because by faith, I am a member of Christ, and so I share in his anointing. I am anointed to confess his name, to present myself to him as a living sacrifice of thanks, to strive with a good conscience against sin and the devil in this life, and afterward to reign with Christ over all creation for all eternity. You are anointed. You're anointed to confess his name, to proclaim his rule, to say this is my king. He anoints me. And what scholars say about anointing is that the true commitment comes from the one doing the anointing to the anointed one. So when God said to Samuel, rise and anoint him, for he is the one, what God was saying in that moment was, I am committed to him. This doesn't have to do with David's skill or ability. This doesn't have to do with who he is. This has to do with my commitment to him. 
when you are anointed, it is because God is committed to you. You are broken and sinful. We are broken and sinful people. We carry baggage with us. And it's easy for us to say, don't pick me. I don't want to do it. I don't want to carry the hockey stick. I don't want to dive through the end. I don't want anything to do with any of this. I'm not ready. What anointing says to you is that it's not about you. It's all about God. God is committed to you. And he reveals that commitment in the work of the Holy Spirit in your life who will convict you of sin and call you into praise and shape and transform you in ways you can't even imagine and affect the world through you. When you are anointed, God says, I am committed to you. I am committed to you. Because of what Jesus Christ has done in his death and resurrection, your sin no longer is a barrier between us. I am committed to you. And I will give you my Holy Spirit. The people who are coming up are elders or pastors in the church. They know what it means to be set apart. They know what it means to feel at times that they are overwhelmed and unprepared. They know what it means to have the Holy Spirit work through them in ways that are beyond their asking or imagining. And tonight, they are here to anoint you. We're not going to douse your heads. They each have a vial. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. And then as we sing, any of you is invited, all of you are invited to come forward to any one of them. They will make the sign of the cross on your head. This is an ancient practice of the Christian church to remind us of who we are in Jesus Christ, to remind us that Father, Son, and Spirit are committed to us, to remind us of the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. So it's going to be a little crowded and a little crazy, and that's fine. We're just going to keep singing, and when you're ready, you can come forward and receive the sign of anointing. If you'd like to come forward but are a little uncomfortable with the anointing, simply come forward and make this sign over, make the sign of the cross over your heart, and you'll receive a blessing. God is committed to you. You are anointed. Will you pray with me? Our God, we give you praise and thanks tonight for you are our King. We thank you that Jesus Christ is Messiah, anointed one, the one set apart to be the one who ushers in your rule, your kingdom over the whole cosmos. And we want to be part of that. We want to live lives that are about that. We want the Holy Spirit to come mightily upon us And so we are bold to pray for it tonight. 
Lord, that when we come forward and receive the symbol of our anointing in Christ, that Holy Spirit, you will whisper or speak or shout within us the things that we need to hear, the action steps we need to do, what's the next right thing we need to do. We thank you for the story of David, the shepherd boy who was set apart. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that in his story we can see our own. We thank you above all for Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, in whose name we pray, amen.